is Jazz Shapers with Elliot Moss on Jazz FM. Listening colour. In partnership with Mishkondorea. It's business, but it's personal. That was John Lee Hooker with Boom Boom here on Jazz Shapers with me, Elliot Moss. Thank you very much for joining. Jazz Shapers is a place where you can hear the very best of the people shaping the world of jazz, blues and soul. And the treat especially for you is that we bring someone who is also shaping something, and that is the world of business, and we call them business shapers. I'm very pleased to say that my business shaper today is Will Butler-Adams, and Will is the chief exec of Brompton Bicycles. Now, they are a British company selling very natty things all the way around the world. You may even have one yourself. You'll be hearing lots from Will very shortly. In addition to hearing from him, you'll also be hearing from our programme partners at Mishkondorea, some words of advice for your business. And then we've got some fantastic music, of course, as I promised earlier. We've got Roberta Fonseca, Van Morrison, and this from Eliani Elias. was Eliani Elias with Oye Komova. Will Butler-Adams is my business shaper today here on Jazz Shapers. As I said, he's the chief exec of a business called Brompton Bicycles, and he's been with them 15 years. So he's not your traditional founder, but he is someone who has created, through his entrepreneurial brilliance, a business of some note. And it's going to be interesting finding out how he's done it. Will, hello. Good morning. Um, it's really nice to have you here. Um, I have followed the fortunes of Brompton bikes over the years. Bicycles, I should probably say. Um, I was a keen cyclist. Uh, middle age is setting. I have to do other things now. But I have admired from afar what you've been doing. You joined as a lowly project manager, he says. Probably wasn't low at all. Back in 2002. Tell me why you stayed with the business. Tell me why you've fallen in love with it. Tell me what you've been up to. Well, I did engineering at uni and then ended up working for ICI in Middlesbrough, which wasn't the sort of dream job that I imagined I was going to get. I thought I'd be wishing off around the world and and doing glamorous things. But in the end, I had an absolutely awesome time, was given ludicrous amounts of responsibility. But after five years, decided that I needed to move on. So approaching 30, thought, right, off to go and do an MBA. Was busy studying for my GMAT. And as the world is full of weird things, I was sitting on a bus going from London out towards Henley, sat next door to a bloke who happened to be the best friend of the inventor of the Brompton bicycle that I'd never heard of. Uh, And he got chatted to me and said, um, when he found out I was an engineer, that they needed some help and I was just the guy. And, uh, And I thought, oh, that's a bit peculiar. Never heard of this weird looking bike, sounds intriguing. I'll go and have a look. I went to the factory, met Andrew, whizzed around the car park on his bike, thought London was pretty cool, thought I wasn't going to probably chuck past my GMAT because my, um, my CV was a bit boring. So I thought, well, I'll do this for a couple of years, and that was 15 years ago. And Andrew, Andrew Ritchie, who was the, the, the founder then, back in, I think he'd invented the bike at, um, in 1975, had to get the findings to get off the, off the ground, till, and eventually it happened in 1988. You go 12 years in or 14 years later. 
it sounds like serendipity, but behind it, I mean, it, the last 15 years would say this, you're a pretty um, focused guy who knows where he's going. Why did you think it might be a good thing? Was it out of character to have just gone and done it based on a conversation on a bus? No, um, I... I've always been of the opinion that I look at things of, of what have you got to lose and I did weird expeditions into weird parts of the world and was always quite keen to um, do things a little bit different on the basis that, you know, when you're 28, really, what have you got to lose next to nothing? And a year or two's nothing. So the aim was to do something different, have some fun, learn. London, I was brought up in the north of England. London sounded like a blast and carry on in my MBA way. Um, what changed that was this bike, which is sitting in the studio and got me here faithfully. Um, initially, I just got on it. I'd never seen one before. And, you know, it was pretty good and that was fine. Then I started living in London and using it, loving it, having a laugh. And London, you know, people going down a hole in the ground, looking pretty grumpy day in, day out. That's no fun. But I wasn't doing that. I was whizzing across London on this bike. I was meeting friends in the pub. I was, you know, handing it to ladies with long nails in, in the cloakroom in nightclubs. And they were sort of squirming at me. And I just came, shoved it through and piled into the nightclub and had a laugh and then whizzed off home on it. This thing was awesome. And then I met our customers and they loved it. And I'm thinking, my God, this is, this is completely awesome. We need to be doing more of this. So I, then I was just totally sucked in and um, sort of, it just sort of ate me up and I've been at it ever since. Stayed me to find out what happened after he got eaten up and absorbed into the wonderful world of the Brompton Bicycle. That's my business shape today, CEO of Brompton Bikes, Will Butler-Adams. Time for some more music. This is Roberto Fonseca with Family. Roberto Fonseca with the upbeat family. Will Butler-Adams is my business shape today, CEO of Brompton Bicycles, and wasn't always CEO, was, the, was the, the new kid on the block who, as you said, you just fell in love with the product and the customers. At what point was it evident that this wasn't just a, a, a passing through a couple of years offering your advice as a nice guy who liked the products and was a mechanical engineer? At what point did you say, do you know what, I'm invested in this place? And at what point did they say to you, Will, can you do a bit more than you're doing? So I joined in 2002, but I mean, we, you know, we were a company of 24 people. Quite a number of those were on the shop floor making stuff. So the sort of team running it, we were sort of six, seven. We had no monthly management accounts. We had no budgets. We had no meetings. We had no meeting room. Andrew signed every check. Um, it was proper old school. And, you know, in some respects, that's a bit frightening. But in other respects, like, oh, my God. God, the opportunity is immense. We couldn't make enough bikes. So, you know, from an operational perspective, the scope was there. We only had to make more. The market was there. Um, from my perspective, we were inefficient. We had a stock turn of about one. The space that we had was mostly filled with stock, not adding value, doing stuff. So it was, you know, it, it was a perfect 
place to have an impact and you don't need to be clever to have had an impact anybody could have had an impact because it was all there for the taking but, but you're a mechanical engineer by trade at this point you're a young guy yeah you found your foot loose and all that and how did you obviously you were interested in business in in the broader sense because you were going to do your mba but what enabled you to pick off uh you know turn around uh, correct creating basically more product for a start managing stock better looking at cash flow and all that how did you become good at those things that you then needed to become good at in my opinion, there is a part of my degree which was very technical and, you know, it, it, you need to understand and study certain things, be it material science or stress analysis. But there's another part of a degree which is irrelevant of what subject you choose. It's just about learning. And anybody who's learned to learn can do anything that they apply themselves to. And you sniff out that you need to know what a P&L is and you don't need to know the difference between EBIT and EBITDA and you soon work out that you have a whole load of knowledge that you don't know the first thing about. So when you're looking to recruit someone, you look for somebody who has all this skill you don't have. Um, so it's, it's not, I don't think it's particularly difficult. I think increasingly today it's unusual that you're given the time to um, feel your way. Today, everything's about returning you know, quarterly return, never mind three yearly return. My philosophy, um, slightly aspiring to Mr. Warren Buffett, is compound growth. I'm happy. 10 to 15% year on year, 20 years, I'll have it. And that's doable, particularly with manufacturing, which is quite, you can't just sort of copy and paste. You need machinery, people, training. Um, and, you know, it's been an absolute blast. And you became managing director. Obviously, you started there. I think you were called the um, a product manager. You become an engineering director, then managing director. Those first few days in the job where you're actually starting to call the shots, and I appreciate, obviously, there's other people on the board, or mm. Andrew is your first, the founder at that point. First decision you made that was good in that role. Do you remember it? The, well, funnily enough, the, the, the way that worked in reality was increasingly I was... Um, probably from somewhere between 2006 and 2008, I was effectively the COO. I was running the business. And um, the big, big decision wasn't so much um, when I became CEO, because I sort of, that was sort of, that transition was happening sometime before. The big decision was mobilizing the shareholder group and being honest and sharing my thoughts with Andrew, the founder who had a controlling stake at the time, to say, look, if I'm going to be here for the next 10, 20 years of my life, I can't do it if you own it and control it. You're a complete legend, but this business needs not to have your absolute control. Otherwise, I can't do what I think I need to do. And when we, as a group, came to that conclusion then it was time to kick off and it wasn't and isn't still me it's the team i've employed they have the knowledge stay with me for more from my business shaper today here on joe shapers that's will butler adam ceo of brompton bicycles ladies travel in a couple of minutes but before that it's another part of our future shapers series it's someone who is going to be shaping the world of business in the very near future my name is aaron galbard and i'm co-founder and ceo of bloom and wild Bloom and Wild is a flower gifting company. We exist to make sending and receiving flower gifts the joy that it should be. On the sending side, we try and make it really easy for people to order in very few steps, especially on their mobiles. And on the receiving side, the main way that we're different is that we do flowers that fit through people's letterboxes, 
which means that they don't need to be at home to receive them. We had a few pieces of inspiration for the business. The first piece of inspiration was that both my co-founder and I had on several occasions sent flowers ourselves and had frustrating experiences. And we wondered whether if we use technology and put it really at the heart of the business, we might be able to improve the experience for both uh, sending and receiving flowers and just modernize it. We were also inspired by some other businesses that we'd seen springing up outside of the flower industry, in particular by the snacks business, graze.com. We faced lots of challenges uh, over the course of starting and growing the business. Some of the most challenging days were right at the beginning when we were trying to get the product right. We weren't experts in flowers at all when we started. And so working out how to protect flowers in transit uh, was a challenge. We also had to make sure that we got the letterbox uh, boxes right. This involved personally going around and measuring as I said, thousands of letterboxes in different parts of the country, which was uh, time-consuming and often embarrassing when you're caught in front of somebody's house with a notepad and a ruler. But it gave us some primary data that was really valuable for us to get our product and packaging right. As we've grown, the challenges have become a little different in nature. We're now a team of 25 people at Bloom and & Wild, and many of our challenges today are around creating a culture that really inspires our team and means that everybody cares as deeply as we as founders do about our mission of offering people great flowers. Jazz Shapers presents Future Shapers, the future of business today. You'll find that future shaper in full at jazzfm.com. You're listening to Jazz Shapers with me, Elliot Moss. Every Saturday I get to meet someone who is shaping the world of business, and very lucky I am too. If you've missed any of the previous 250 shows or so, I can't believe it's that many, but it is, go into iTunes and you'll find most of them there. If you're travelling with British Airways in the future, you can look over there as well. And cityam.com is also an excellent place to go and fish out the good ones. Will Butler-Adams is my good one today. He's the CEO of Brompton Bicycles, um, and he has been with that business for 15 years. And you were talking, Will, very interestingly about having an honest conversation with a founder. And, and obviously, we, we are discussing you as someone who's come into the business and is effectively running it, but had to have the, uh, the important conversation along with the other shareholders. Once you've done that, is it then much easier to do what you need to do? Or were there still have there still been bumps along the way? I think... The um, measure of success at the end of each year is taking the number of screw-ups you've made with the number of successes you've made. And if you happen to have more successes than screw-ups, then you've done pretty well. But there is a complete misunderstanding somehow painted in the world of success, entrepreneurialism, business, that you're successful. It's just a cumulative addition every day every week there's a complete boob error oh my god did we do that but that's life and you can't worry too much about it you've got to keep pushing on and make sure that the positives outweigh the negatives and you grow is recognition important to you i know you were 2015 you were made an obe which is fantastic and you got to meet the queen uh, and all that and that's very nice but does it matter it strikes me as i look at you that it doesn't particularly there's no harm someone saying well done but if that doesn't motivate you, what does? We, um, when I joined Brompton, we were interested in making bikes, and I think we hadn't articulated what 
what we wanted. And if we had articulated, it might have been a bit rich. But it is important as a business grows that as you have to communicate to your own staff that you communicate what you're about. And um, pretty early on, after I took over, we knew what we wanted to do as a business and our measure of success is how we change cities. We are in London. We have about 100,000 of our bikes in London. Um, We are exporting to 44 countries around the world. We're exporting to cities in those countries. We've created a society, weirdly, where people get up in the morning, drink their over-expensive cafe latte, and then go down a hole in the ground that they've paid the privilege of doing, get spluttered on or shoved up somebody's armpit, trundle along and pop out the other end and sit in front of a computer all day. And that's a pretty miserable life. And it's affecting our societies with health problems and you know, mental problems. And, and we live in great cities with amazing architecture and cool parks. And we've got to get people back on the bike. And that's what makes me happy. That's what floats my boat, seeing people all around the world on our bike. Next week, I'm in Seoul, visiting our customers, racing uh, with our customers. It's just immensely rewarding to see our product being used by people all around the world. Staying with more from my business shape today and hear about how Will is wanting to change cities. And that's not a bad goal, is it? Time for some more music. This is Van Morrison, the one and only with Moondance. Well, it's a marvelous night for a moon dance with the stars up above in your eyes. A fantabulous night to make romance neat the cover of October's skies. You know the leaves on the trees are falling To the sound of the breezes that blow Van Morrison with Moondance. I've been talking to Will Butler Adams, CEO of Brompton Bicycles, and uh, I love what you just said about your purpose of the business, which is uh, we're here to change cities. Can we make them better? That's a really big goal, um, and it's connected, obviously, to the fact that you're a bicycle business, but how do you ensure that people don't go, yeah, yeah, I get it, that's philosophy, and that's structural, but you're a, you sell bikes, give me a break. So, good question, but... We are doing it. We might be doing it in a small way, but we are doing it. In London, um, about 5% of people ride a bike. We've got 100,000 of our bikes in London, in Greater London. We know that. In Berlin, in Amsterdam, it's not 5% of people that cycle, it's 35%. So if London were Amsterdam, we'd have 700,000 Bromptons in London. That's one city. We have our own shops in Beijing, Shanghai, Chengdu. We're we're selling in Colombia, in Mexico, in Canada, in Spain, France, Portugal, Thailand, Singapore, Indonesia. We have not even started. We have enough insight for what we've done for London, for Brussels, for Barcelona, where we've changed those cities, to know that we can do it on a global scale. And this global scale is an important thing to me. Obviously, in this uh, post-Brexit environment, people are talking about us being global players. You already are a global player. What's the reality of you as a chief exec dealing with 44 different markets, with 44 different realities, with 44 sets of different customers in a way? Is it complicated? Is it, is it overwhelming? How do you cut through it? It's bloody good fun. What a laugh. I go whizzing <laughs> around the world. You know, I trot off. I'm going to Korea. I'm popping into Taiwan on the way there. I munch fantastic food. I meet cool people, drink their weird beer. It's just great. 
I have staff to help me trade with those people. So I have staff in the company from many of those countries. Because if you want to trade with a country, you need people inside your organization that understand the culture of that company. So our company benefits. We're full of interesting people from all over the world. Our staff benefit. They love traveling around the world, engaging with our customers and also our suppliers. It makes the whole business, it brings it up a level and makes it more exciting and fun to work in. And I buy that, Will, but it must be stressful as well. You can't tell me that you don't go, how am I going to manage that issue in Colombia? It's four o'clock in the morning here. It's nine o'clock there. Nothing. Really? (laughs) Because we're making bikes. You know, we're not... Get a grip. You know, let's let's not worry too much about it. It's not the end of the world. There are serious things. We worry about the safety of our customers. We're making something that has integrity. And it's very important to look after our the quality of our bike it's not just a toy it's a tool that needs to be well engineered and well made but lots of other things if i finish the day thinking i have to complete everything and be perfect i'd be a nervous wreck sadly i've resigned myself to the fact that i'm fairly disorganized and i can't get everything done and and i'm doing the best i can and then i'll just potter off home and um, not worry too much about it and uh, you know we'll get around to next week next week Final chat coming up with Will. Plus, we'll be playing a track from China Moses. That's after the latest traffic and travel here on Jazz FM. Jazz Shapers on Jazz FM. In partnership with Mishkondorea. It's business, but it's personal. This is not for boys. Watch out, I'm losing faith. I think I need to slow my pace. I gotta watch out with what I'm doing. Full speed towards my road and not complaining. It's just I'm saying. I can't remember his name. I'm feeling stressed out. I could use a drink. Just one shot to help me think. I better stop what I'm doing because I'm about to ruin That was the sassy sound of China Moses with Watch Out and Will was uh, enjoying that with me. Both like that, didn't we? Now, Will, you've got a, I've got a few minutes with you. You you strike me as a very together person. Um, you're doing something you love. You're an engineer who's making stuff. You're, you haven't kind of sold out. You care about the product. Uh, the product has a great image, a great reputation. Did you think you would end up running something when you were younger? Did you think about it? Or has it just naturally evolved? Well, I... Um from very early age I wanted to sort of I don't quite sure what I wanted to do but I wanted to I initially made things and sold them probably at the age of about 10 then I when I got to the next school I sold beer mats because dad was in the the booze industry then I sold beer towels then mum turned the beer towels into sort of towels and I sold them um, then when I was at uni, I took out the first buy-to-let mortgage in Newcastle and, and, and managed to, um, yeah, get some mates. And, and it, so I've always... Um, You've got history, haven't you, Will? I well, mean, that's all, that all says that you like making stuff and, and the money side of it's interesting to you. Yeah, it, it was... I, I don't quite know what it is, but, you know... I, I always knew I tried to do a management buyout of a chemical plant that I ran in Middlesbrough. DuPont were prepared to sell it to me for a quid, but then and I got a team together, and then we decided. I decided actually that the, it was a twenty-eight that, that the liabilities were too big, and um, I should can it. Then the MBA thing came in, but you know, I, I it's not about um, being the boss. It's about 
having an impact, you know, creating something that isn't just frivolous and building something. But the, the boss bit's not important mm. because the way I manage the business is very, very much uh, as a team effort. And the building something, talking about that, these next few years, you've been through some times, uh, Brompton people will have read about profits reducing, but expansion happening as well. Where's the next five years going to end up for you and for the business? So over the last 10 years, people have talked about us building a brand. And uh, and I'm not hugely happy about this, again, this slight obsession with the word brand. The brand is the product. It's the service that we give with that product. That is our brand. So our focus is on making awesome products and delivering outstanding service. So we've spent the last four years working with Williams. We've taken the Kurz technology out of their F1 cars. We've shrunk it. We're creating a supremely cool uh, electric drive system for our bikes, unlike anything else in the world. It's been a monstrous challenge. And the funniest thing is, Williams got involved. And they're like, yeah, yeah, we make Formula One cars. Yeah, bike, easy. <laughs> no worries. And it's like, and we've always cracked it. My God, it's so small. And it's got to be light. And it's got to be powerful. And suddenly, what seems so easy has been really tricky. So, And we're doing some quite cool stuff with material science, with 3D printing, with testing. We are doing some very cool innovation to try and make products that make our customers happier so more people jump on bikes and have fun. Well, that sounds good. Um, listen, it's been a pleasure talking to you. Very easy. Uh, I look forward to the innovations, uh, and, and I really hope they go super well. I hope the business grows. I'm sure it will too. Just before I let you go, what's your song choice and why have you chosen it? So I've chosen Blue Skies by Maxine Sullivan. And, um, you know, we've got to come up with a trendy, you know, jazz song. And I'm peeling through all my flipping stuff, trying to look for something that's trendy. And uh, There was no pressure on your will. There is. You've got to be, you know, and you've got to sound cool. And um, so I'm struggling a bit. And um, But I have had this sitting on a CD, which I then downloaded onto flipping iTunes. But it is... Makes me happy. It's called Blue Skies. I see blue skies because I'm not down the ground on the tube because I'm whizzing around on my bike. So get on your bike and see the sky. Selling till the last. Fabulous. Here it is for you. Blue skies smiling at me Nothing but blue skies Oh, I see That was Blue Skies by Maxine Sullivan and her orchestra, the song choice of my business shaper today, Will Butler Adams. Someone who basically said, if you know how to learn, you're going to be fine learning what it is to run a business. Someone with fantastic perspective. He really was a relaxed guy because he said, we make bikes. But also someone who alongside that believed in something bigger. And his bigger was we are going to change cities. What a fabulous purpose to put in front of your customers. Do join me again, same time, same place. That's next Saturday, 9am, for another edition of Jazz Shapers. Meanwhile, stay with us, because coming up next, it's Nigel Williams. Jazz Shapers on Jazz FM. In partnership with Mish Condorea. It's business, but it's personal. <laughs>